what we tried to do is get out ahead of the curve and make a move before free agency starts. And that way, by doing so, you have a little bit of an advantage over these other teams who are all competing for the same players. My son, Michael, for instance, was in the car with me when we did the uh, Hayden Hurst trade. I had to swear him the secrecy. He knew about the trade before <laughs> anybody else, including Hayden. You want to find a good balance between having a young team, but also a few proven vets who bring ability, but also leadership and other factors that you're looking for. That's really, in my opinion, the silver bullet that everybody's looking for. Welcome into the lounge. We're back after the weekend off. Back to the daily grind here, Garrett. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Uh, <laughs> podcast is back up and running again uh, five days a week. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed the first the first week of the new daily uh, podcast. And now we're back back at it again. And now we got the biggest guest you can get. General That's Manager right. Eric Costa, who we're going to talk to today. That's right. That's right. And as a precursor, uh, we still cannot talk about reported deals. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're, we can talk about confirmed deals with Eric, but no commenting on the ones that have not been confirmed, which that would be, you know, those the reports that the Ravens have signed Michael Brockers, but we cannot speak about that with Eric today. Just right. And, oh, so, yeah. And so we're going to jump into that interview with Eric, but as always as a reminder, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We've actually got a ton of emails, more than we've received. I think people obviously have some more time on their hands, so we've, we have a ton <laughs> of emails. We're going to save those for later in the week because we want to have a chance to read a bunch of those. Uh, but for now, we don't want to waste any more time. We want to jump right into this interview with GM Eric Acosta. So thanks for joining us, Eric. Uh, so first of all, are, are you still in the office? Where are you, This looks like the office behind you. Where are you doing your work? <laughs> I'm in the office. I'm fortunately been able to come in and uh, I feel like I'm bunkered down over here in the back of the building and we have very, very few people here, just a handful of people. But for me, especially with last week with un uh, restricted free agency and all that uh, going on and also the draft at the same time for me to get my work done effectively, it made a more sense for me to be in the office. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. I, I got to admit, you got the young kids at home. Did you try to work from home and you're like, nah, this isn't going to happen or what? <laughs> uh, well, I've been doing both. I've got a workstation at home where I can watch tape. But the hard part is just with all the salary cap stuff going on and, and everything and combination of pro free agency and also the draft. Uh, it makes the most sense for me to be here as much as I can, just so I have all access to all the stuff we need to help us make decisions. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to tell my wife the same. I mean, babe, it just makes more sense for me to be at home <laughs> at work, you know. Is is I got to ask you is there is A lunch still being provided and B is there any toilet paper there because that might, you know, factor <laughs> into my calculus here. Well, I I can't uh I can't confirm lunch. Uh, <laughs> but I can't confirm that there's been some toilet paper sightings. Um <laughs> You know, it's a little bit like uh, The Walking Dead around here. You kind of feel like you're just here by yourself. Uh, uh -huh. You know, like just for perspective, it's like I am legend. Uh, <laughs> I'm Will Smith. And, uh, you know, so that's what we've been dealing with. Who are the robots? You're the, la you're the last man standing. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, in all honesty, it was a busy week last week. Uh, the Calais Campbell move, the Hayden Hurst move. So, just to start, like big picture, uh, how pleased were you with what you were able to do in the first week of free agency? Well, those, uh, those moves were works in progress, and we had been really going back to the combine on both of those moves. 
and they were kind of working in conjunction because obviously the draft pick, one of the draft picks that we received from the Hayden Hurst trade, we used to get Calais Campbell. So uh, going back, you know, I remember being at the uh, weigh-ins at the uh, Combine and having discussions, uh, preliminary discussions with Thomas Dimitrov in regards to Hayden. And, you know, they had a needed position. And we felt like uh, that'd be a great spot for Hayden to go and be a productive player, which is one thing that was really important to him. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of talent. And we had a, a lot of talent at that position on our roster. And Hayden really wanted the chance to, to be a productive player and to be, you know, to be what he thought he was going to be uh, as a starter and as a guy that could really be an important piece of the puzzle for a team. And being from Jacksonville, uh, Atlanta was a very attractive place for him to play. And we were able to get that done. Thomas and I had uh, multiple conversations in person and also uh, over the phone about Hayden trying to get something worked out. And as people probably know, David Caldwell and I are really good friends. And, you know, we had been talking about Calais. Fortunately for us, we had the chance to spend some time with Calais at the Pro Bowl. We were very impressed with him. Thought he'd be a great fit for us on our defense. And David and I were able to have some great conversations about Calais over the last month or so. And we were able to work that deal out using a pick that we got from Atlanta to make it a lot easier for us to get the deal done. So uh, there's been a lot of talk this, this off season about the edge rushers, you know, and, and what are we going to do about the pass rush and all that stuff. And then you guys go ahead and, and you make two, you know, you make big additions on the defensive line, retain a couple of our guys. Uh, can you talk about, you know, what made the defensive line and really upgrading that unit, bolstering that unit, uh, such a focal point? Well, I think first and foremost, as we look at our team, you know, I always think about the building of a team as a puzzle. And, you know, you have a lot of missing pieces. You try to fill in a few pieces. And once you fill in a few pieces, the puzzle gets easier. And so that's kind of always been my approach to building the team. For us, and looking at it, we thought there was an opportunity that we could improve the defensive line, the front seven, whether that was defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle, inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Try to fill in some of those pieces so that the draft becomes, you know, easier for us to approach. And uh, I think with Calais, he's the guy that can play five technique, three technique, probably even play nose. And as we look at Brandon Williams, we feel like his, his best positions are three technique and nose. Um, so this is a guy that really creates some interesting matchup problems for offenses. Um, you know, and we just we felt like it's it's a guy. He's a guy. We had a lot of successful players like this. He's been a highly successful player in other teams. Right mentality, team captain, Walter Payton Man of the Year, still playing at a very very high level. This is the type of move where you make it, and people say, "Well, that's the Ravens' type of move." Mm-hmm. Had a lot of success with that in the past, and we think Calais comes in and really fits that for us right away. When you guys do your offseason summit at Steve Bishotti's house with with you and and John and the entire group there, it seems to me that that you maybe went into that and you came out of it with the, with the takeaway of we need to bolster the front seven. Like we need to address the defensive line based on what you did in the first week of free agency. Was that, is it accurate to say that that was like a big takeaway from that conversation that you guys had at that point? Well, we did spend a lot of time talking about the front seven and the defense in general and how we felt like we had to augment those positions. And I think that what we tried to do 
is get out ahead of the curve and and make a move before free agency starts and that way by doing so you have a little bit of an advantage over these other teams who are all competing for the same players my fear was that if we didn't get out early to make a move then there'd be a lot of you know multiple parts that we'd be trying to juggle and it becomes a lot more difficult so we felt like a good strategy for us was to try to make a move before the period started then that would allow us then to fill in behind that player Right. So you're saying basically like offer doing a trade as opposed to maybe maybe the Jag, Jags move on from Calais and then you have to compete with other teams in free agency. Yeah, we felt like there was an opportunity that we might be able to get Calais. Right. We explored it. It made a lot of sense for us to do that early on and to get him on board. And that by that by doing it that way, it becomes a lot easier to just fill in specific parts of your defense. Right. Rather than when you're trying to get two, three, four players, you're negotiating at the same time. There's an emotional aspect to it. Typically, teams have a habit of overpaying in those situations. We really want it to be as clinical as possible. Right. Can you talk about what that is like? You talk about that. just makes me curious. Like, when you're juggling all this stuff, how, how difficult is that for you as a general manager when, you know, free agency opens up and, and the, the bullets are flying? Well, I mean, that's a good question. I've got three kids. My daughter's 16, Jane, my son, Michael, 12, and my youngest son, Jackson, eight. Uh-huh. And on any given weekend, they've got to be in multiple places <laughs> in time. And they've all got different needs. They're all involved in different things. And that's kind of what free agency is all about. You know, you have all these different things going on. They've all got to be attended to. They're all totally different. And you've got to be able to, you know, juggle them and, and, and accomplish as many things as you can. And right. to me, it's like if you can survive three children all four years apart <laughs> on the weekend, buy free agency, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so are you able, are they old enough now where, uh, you know, when it heats up, you're like, guys, you're just not going to see me or hear from me much for the next week or so? Or, or do they still, do you still have to run them around places even in the midst of free agency? Oh, we still, I still do a lot of the running around. Now, uh, I can tell you that my kids hear a lot of interesting conversations in the car because <laughs> as I'm driving around, I conduct a lot of business. I'm talking to coaches and agents and players and different things. So um, my son, Michael, for instance, was in the car with me when we did the uh, Hayden Hurst trade. Uh-huh. And so uh, I had to swear him the secrecy. He knew about the trade before <laughs> anybody else, including Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> now, is he on you social even- media? You got to basically get your kids to sign NDAs uh, when they get out of the car yeah, with you. Yeah. Well, their NDA <laughs> is if they tell somebody something, I just take their phone away. <laughs> so they're not going to so do that. <laughs> Powerful. <laughs> you got the ultimate leverage there. Um, going back to, to Calais, do you see him kind of – you've had a lot of success in, in finding guys uh, who later in their careers – Steve Smith is an example, Eric Weddle is an example, and we could go down the line of different guys – that basically he just fits into this mold. It's, it's not the second contract. It's the third contract for a guy. Um, and they come in and they have an immediate impact and, and they're a difference maker for your team, even though they're in the back nine of their careers. Yeah, I think that's a, a great uh, way of looking at it, Garrett. And that really goes back to Ozzy and all the successes that he had as the general manager for the club. And I had a chance to witness that firsthand many, many times, even going back, you know, 20 years ago, to guys like Rod Woodson and Tony Siragusa 
and Sam Adams and Mike McCrary and those types of guys. And over the years, we've continued to adhere to that model, trying to find players that really just care about one thing, and that's winning. They're at the stage of their career where they're playing for the ring. They love the game. They've been successful players, in some cases elite players, early on. And all they want to do is win. And because of John, he's been able to create this unbelievable culture here for veteran players. And that spreads like wildfire. And players know that. And they want to be here because of that. That makes this place attractive. And then when you add in the Lamar factor and that guys want to play with him and our successes with our coaching staff and what we've been able to do, this place really does become a destination spot for veteran players. And it makes our job a lot easier. Yeah. Do you feel like that's like there's a, just a ton of value there that maybe the le- the rest of the league doesn't value as much as we do, right? Like that that we look at a player and say, "Hey, in his 30s, it doesn't mean he's done." You know, he 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 knows sometimes it takes a little while to learn the game and and your prime can can even come a little bit later later like it did for Calais, right? I mean, he's been playing some of his best football very recently. You know, do you feel like we kind of value some of those veteran players more than some other teams might, and thus we find great value there? Well, I think it's it's um, you want to find a good balance between having a young team, but also a few proven vets who bring ability, but also leadership and other factors that you're looking for. That's really, in my opinion, the silver bullet that everybody's looking for. And so, uh, you know, for us, I mean, we value that tremendously. We've seen the impact that these types of guys can have on your team. They bring, obviously, abilities as excellent football players, but they also bring these intangible qualities based on experience, leadership, history, and different things like that. And they make your younger players even better. So that's always been a model that we've really believed in. We've had a lot of success with it. It'll continue. The challenge is really to find the right guys. And so as you go through it and you're looking at these players in the fall, you're thinking to yourselves, who are the guys that you really, really want that play like a Raven, but also live like a Raven? Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned uh, in the, when you made the Calais signing official that you've had your eye on Calais for a long, long time, even dating back to the draft. Now, now unfortunately, he came out in the 2008, so we had some other priorities that year when it came to the first <laughs> round. Uh, but can you talk about when, you know, how much you've really appreciated your game? And, and were you even looking at him, you and Ozzy, looking at him last time he hit free agency before he hit with the Jags? Well, when he became a free agent the last time, you know, uh, he signed a heck of a deal. <laughs> That's not really, historically, what the Ravens have done. Right. The agency. Now, uh, as a player, we've always had a lot of admiration for Calais. He's a great fit for our defense. Um, He's a giant of a man. He plays very, very hard. He's got excellent technique. He can rush the passer. He can play the run. And he's a guy that obviously takes very, very good care of his body. He's been a very durable guy. He's missed very, very few games in his career as a player. And he's played at a very high level for a very long time. So those are the types of guys, just going back to guys like Trevor Price, for instance, would be a great comparison, and Chris Canty, those types of guys who play that position. But um, they're hard to find. That body type is hard to find. That skill set is hard to find. And the passion for the game is hard to find. So if you can get a guy like that who checks off all those boxes, you better get that guy. 
And that's what we tried to do. And we felt good about it and the deal with Jacksonville. And we were able to get a deal worked out with Tom Condon, his agent. Uh, that was my first deal with Tom. And that was a great experience for me. He's a legend as an agent and a very skilled guy. That was a great few days trying to get that deal worked out. And we were very, very happy that we could. Yeah, go, going back this, to this Hayden. Is, sorry. I was uh, just going to say, make one thing that we should point out, and we've done this without Eric on the podcast, is that we've been saying for weeks that we just feel like Calais Campbell looks like a Raven. Like, that is the classic <laughs> Ravens move. As soon as his name started to come on the market and, and the buzz kind of just started to build around him as potentially being out there, that we were like, this is a classic Ravens move. Did you guys feel that way too? Like, as soon as what the, you know, the conversations with Dave Caldwell, as soon as they started to come up, were you like, oh, yeah, if we can figure out the, the compensation, this is a no-brainer? Yeah, I think that's right, Garrett. You know, as I said, we were fortunate uh, to have spent some time with Calais at the Pro Bowl. And yeah. I actually went over there after the Senior Bowl. I went over to the Pro Bowl to be with our players and to support our players and coaches and had the chance to spend a little time with Calais and found him to be very, very engaging and just a wonderful guy to talk to, um, very thoughtful. But also, if you watch the game, he was the MVP defense <laughs> of the game. And, again, to find a guy to, that plays so hard in a game like that, it's very revealing to me. And so as we look at it and we try and find the right fits, it was, it was clear to me that this guy would be an excellent fit. Yeah. yeah you know, you got both Pro Bowl MVPs, him and Lamar. Lamar won the offensive MVP, so uh, – <laughs> But make you started talking about Hayden. I'm also curious on, on Hayden. What kind of led into that decision uh, and the conversations that ultimately led to him getting you know traded to Atlanta? Well, at some point, um, you know, I, I don't know when it was, but uh, you know, after the season, you know, I had a discussion with uh, Hayden's agent and also with Hayden and. You know, there was a sense that Hayden loved it here, of course, but he was really anxious to prove what he could be. And, you know, these guys, these guys that play the game, they want to play. And uh, he was anxious to get out on the field and contribute and show the world what he can do. And, uh, you know, I understand that. And so there was a, you know, feeling that if he had the chance to play for somebody else that he would welcome that you, you know you weigh those decisions you have to look at what's best for your club also you know we're not just gonna it, you know it's a business and we've got to do what's best for the players sometimes but it's got to also be what's best for the club and so uh, Hayden was a player that as other teams look at our roster they would see that he was a guy that you know was playing with some other really good players and teams look at your strengths on your team and sometimes we'll ask about players. And Hayden was a guy that sometimes teams would ask about. I made the decision based on conversations that we had with Hayden and with his agent that if a team was able to, uh, you know, match what I would consider to be fair compensation for Hayden, that we would consider trading him. And there were probably three or four teams in the mix at different uh, price ranges uh, in regards to Hayden, and we weighed all those different things. And as we got moving further along, it became clear that Atlanta was probably the team that had the most interest, although there were two other teams that had significant interest as well. And I think that uh, my relationship with uh, Thomas Dimitrov and also the fact that, you know, he would have the chance to be closer to home and play with Matt Ryan 
uh, you know, I wanted to put Hayden in the position where he was going to succeed. And because of that, I think Atlanta made a lot of sense as well. And the bonus is you trade into the NFC. So you don't have to, you don't have to really worry about the, any repercussions here. <laughs> that, was a, that was a factor as well. I mean, <laughs> trade a player to a rival or a team that has a big need at that position that you have to play against quite a bit. Uh, that's a bad feeling when you do that. And those guys make plays against you. So we didn't want to see that happen as well. Now, speaking of that, what's up with you trading with the Steelers? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was an interesting one as we were trying to find, you know, ways to number one, you know, free up some salary cap space. Number yeah. two, looking ahead, what would our plans be moving forward a year from now? We felt like that we were going in a different direction, maybe on the defensive line. And if we had the chance to, to trade Chris, um, it would be a tough call. But again, what I try to do is have a value in my mind and weigh that, weigh the team, look at what we think we might get. And for us, you know, although it was a tough call, the combination of the salary cap room this year mm -hmm. and getting a fifth round pick next year um, was something that we felt like we should probably do. And, it, and you always weigh it. I mean, we did that last year when we traded Jermaine to the Patriots. Right. You know, um, when you trade a, a player that you have to a, a rival team, there's always a little bit of apprehension. But um, you got to go with what you think and you can't, you know, second, you know, second think anything and you just go through it. And, you know, um, we thought it was a good decision for us at the time. We still stand by it. I yeah. think Chris is a good young player and I think his best football is probably ahead of him. But for us, where we are as a team, we felt like it made the most sense. Can I go back to tight end real quick? Does this mean, cause I, I know some people, I mean, a lot of people loved our tight end trio, right? I mean, it was probably the best in the league. Does this probably mean that you do look a little more at the tight ends in the draft and, and adding a third player? Well, I think the idea is just, you know, how do we build the best team? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways to do that. And, you know, do I think we'll add some skill players at some point in the draft? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are those going to be receivers, tight ends, running backs? What's the combination going to be? It's unclear. I think we've, there's many, many ways we can score a lot of points. And fortunately we've got Greg Roman, and a lot of skilled players that he has a chance to coach. And I think we can score a lot of points. And so if we add a tight end, it'll be the right tight end. And if we add receivers, they'll be the right guys at that moment. And we'll try to build the best team we can, given the situation we're in. And I'm confident that our coaches and players will work together to score a lot of points. Right. So, so three positions not addressed yet. Uh, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, wide receiver, guard. Just if we can, just talk about those a little bit because I'm sure you know, Eric. You know, Ravens fans. You get you get great players, and then you're like, all right, what's next? Who else am I getting? Right. That's, <laughs> we're all spoiled by your moves by now. That this is kind of how we think. So, uh, at, at outside linebacker, I mean, how do you kind of how good do you feel about that spot right now? That you franchise tag Matthew Judon. Obviously, you have Jalen Ferguson, Tyus Bowser returning. You know, how do you look at that spot right now? Well, it's kind of the same thing. You know, if we have the chance to get a guy that we think will help our team, we'll add him. We're trying to find the best nine draft picks we can. We're trying to sign the best free agents we can, given how much cap space we have. But we're only going to go after guys that we think can really help this football team. So if there's an outside linebacker that we think can come in 
and compete early on to play. As a rookie, get on the field, we're probably going to add that guy. And if we think there's a guy that we can add in the later parts of the draft who can develop into being a good player a year from now, two years from now, that's a possibility as well. But we've always got to look at those players versus other positions. And you never want to take a player that's not going to help you just because he plays a position that you need help at. Mm-hmm. And that's just a recipe for disaster. And every team does that at times. You take guys, and they, we call that a reach or a stretch. And if you do that, you're going to be disappointed. And we don't want to do that. So you can rest assured that if we take a guy, we think this guy is going to be the right guy for us to help us moving forward. And, uh, and that's the challenge. And so if there's nobody there at that position, we'll look at other guys, other positions, trying to find out who the best guys are to help us win our first football game of next year. So you've had a lot of success over the course of history in that kind of that second, third wave of free agency. You know, the initial, there's the initial splash that happened last week, but then guys, you maybe get a little bit more value as things quiet down a little bit. Do you feel like there could once again be an opportunity to have success? You know, I think of a guy like a Daryl Smith from several years ago. No one was really talking about him at the time, but he comes in and, and played really well for you. Do you feel like there are those types of players who will be available that you could still find over the course of the next few weeks and maybe even months? I think the idea is flexibility and just putting yourself in a position where you can react to anything that comes across your desk. And that was one of the things that I'm really proud of about last year was we, we had some flexibility so that when the Marcus Peters became available, we could go after him. And so I think we're in a position now that we have the flexibility to really look at anything that comes across my desk whether it's a player, a draft pick, a trade, a signing, whatever it might be, we have the chance to really look at it. We're not eliminating any possibilities. We'll be flexible. We'll be aggressive when we can be. And we'll pounce if we can. Sultan, I asked you the combat, and I'm, I'm curious if this has changed. Now you have, you know, you have more picks because the comp, pick for, the comp picks are in. Uh, you got the you know, picks for Hayden. So you got two second-round picks, two third-round picks, right? Um, does that make you any more likely – to maneuver around on draft weekend, you think? Potentially maybe even move up in the first round. Well, I love to move around the board, as you guys know, and we've done that as much as probably any team in the league over the last 24 years. And um, we'll continue to do that. You know, I'm open for business at all times. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I work with teams. I work with GMs. We love making trades. And usually those trades work out for both parties. And so if anybody's interested, give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> nicely done <laughs> hey eric how how has uh covid19 and and all the the fallout from it affected your guys's draft preparation yeah well it really has um but you know first first i should say to everybody out there that you know you've got to be smart and um you've got to be safe and you know, I think you've got to take care of your family and, and do the right things. And I hate hearing all these stories about people acting recklessly and being out, you know, doing things. The most important thing right now is to take care of your families and take care of yourselves, wash your hands, protect each other, love each other, do things together as a family, play board games, <laughs> hang out, just spend time together. This is really a gift in some respects that we've been given where we can spend time with people that we love every single day and kind of get back to what's most important in society, which is really love and, and trust and being together, not being, you know, disengaged, looking at your phones all the time and just not talking, communicating. So 
um, this has been a process for us that we're still working through. And I think that um, communication is, is the biggest thing. And how do we adapt? And how do we stay flexible? How do we gain an advantage, you know, compared to other teams, which I'm always thinking about? Right. And how do we build the best team we can? And this is a challenging time. We can't do the things that we're accustomed to doing. We can't be meeting with these players. We can't be working out players. We can't be visiting with players. So what are the things that we can do? And uh, we'll take advantage of those things as best as we can. You know, uh, I'll probably have to be a little bit more hands-on this year with the draft than I was last year, quite honestly, because our meeting schedules will be different. The way we do things are going to be different. We may not have as much information as we've had over the last you know, few years regarding players. We're not going to have workout information for a lot of players. We're not going to have interviews for some of these players. There may not be medical rechecks uh, for us to look at and consider. So what are we going to do? We'll have a plan. Uh, rest assured, I'll be watching every single player in this draft and um, go back to my days as the college scouting director and we'll work together and we've got a great staff of people and even if we can't be together we can get on the phone we can work remote we can video conference each other and we'll make best decisions that we can for this club and we'll try to hopefully look back on this someday and say you know what we did the best we could we found some really good football players we survived everybody stayed healthy we got through this as a country and here we are still standing Awesome. Are you getting hassled at all about wearing a mask into the office? <laughs> no, I haven't gotten hassled yet. I mean, very, very. There's no one there to hassle you. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> not really. It is very well, I meant before you left the house in the morning. <laughs> no, no. Um, I usually leave the house before my family's even awake. So, gotcha. uh, you know, there's, there's nobody hassling me. I mean, honestly, some days, you know, I haven't talked to anybody until I get home at night. Wow. Wow. Well, stay safe, Eric. We appreciate you coming on with us. We really do. And uh, have fun doing your business. Definitely do stay safe. We, we need to – you're a national treasure at this point, all right? You're, you're making some, <laughs> some news that we all love. Yeah, we need you healthy, <laughs> Eric, all right? I'm in self-quarantine. And uh, listen, uh, I just – I want the Ravens fans to know we care about you all. We care about the community. And we just all have to stick together and do the right things and take care of each other. And we'll see you all soon. All right. Well, thank you very much, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Thanks. Okay, guys. See you. Cool. Really good stuff from Eric. Uh, you know, I, thought, I think it's interesting, the, the back and forth with the Hayden deal, you know, is interesting. Yeah. And, and I was wondering kind of how much Hayden came to the Ravens uh, to kind of request the trade. Um, and, and I think, like Eric said, I mean, Hayden loved it in Baltimore, you know. I mean, super close friends. You know, I, I think of that video that we have, like Hayden sing friends forever, you know, with uh, Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. He loved it here. But as we talked about previously, you could definitely tell that Hayden wanted to break out more and saw that, you know, he wasn't, because of the players he was playing with, going to have the fullest opportunity here. So I thought that was interesting. I thought so too. And I felt like that might have been the case because, his name had come up several times over the course right. of the last six months. And so when you start to see that, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, and so I felt like that might have been the case. And it was obvious, like we talked about before, that, you know, Hayden wanted opportunities to get more involved and he was a bit frustrated with his role. So, um, and I thought it was interesting hearing Eric talk about it, which is that he obviously getting the best deal is, is the, the top priority. 
but mm-hmm. he also was considerate of where he felt like Hayden would be in position to succeed. Um, yeah. It felt like going down to Atlanta, being closer to home, playing in that pass-heavy offense uh, with Matt Ryan at quarterback would be good for him. Um, and that weighed into the decision, which I think speaks to, uh, to Eric and the organization. Um, so, you know, really, you know, obviously they're fired up about Calais Campbell, which, you know, which we knew. Um, yeah. But it's, it, it sounds like, like he was saying, it's something, you know, what we've been saying, this is a classic Ravens move. Like he feels that way, just like we feel that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so you think he's going to trade up in the draft? I think he's open to it. No question about that. <laughs> I mean, no question about that. Uh, you know, he always kind of jokes that oh, we love to move around the board, but I don't know that I've heard him say that openly. We're open for business. Call me. You know, put the banner yeah. out there. Put it out there on I-83 or 95. I am open. Give I don't think call. billboards work. The other GMs aren't driving around. I don't know if you know this, <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> Um, but he, he wants everybody to know that, uh, if you call him, he is going to be looking to maneuver around. I mean, I don't know if that means up or back, but they've got nine picks. They've got two in the second round, two in the third. Like, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's more likely that they move up this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, last year we saw the Steelers went up and got Devin Bush. They traded up 10 spots to get Devin Bush who, which worked out quite well for them. Uh, he was a really good rookie in their defense in the middle of their defense. Do the Ravens make a similar move for an inside linebacker, whether that be Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen, or do you feel confident that you know if one of those two that one of those two guys gets to twenty eight? Uh, you know, because obviously you look at it right now and kind of what I was talking to Eric about. You know, there's some positions that haven't been addressed yet where you still look at it and, like he said, it's a puzzle and you want to plug in as many pieces as possible. Inside linebacker to me is one that, you know, clearly the Ravens need to make a, an addition or two at that spot uh, with Peanut being a, a free agent, Josh Bynes being a free agent. Uh, so it, it just, that to me, if you're going to trade up, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the, the likely scenario would be, let's just say they're sitting there at, at we're at 20 and Patrick Queen's already gone. Yep. And Kenneth, you know, I think that would be the, the scenario if they're going to go and draft an inside a linebacker, say Peanut leaves in free agency, which there's reports that maybe the Ravens and Peanut could have, uh, they could, and he could end up back in Baltimore. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's just say one of those linebackers is gone and they're sitting there and it's 20, 22, and they're nervous about him getting plucked. That would be the, the scenario that I think is most likely for, for them to go up and, and, and get up somebody. Uh, get you know Murray or Queen, whoever would be there. Particularly if one of if both of them are there, I think you just probably you know chill out, stand pat, stand pat, wait, 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 and then uh, you can potentially have your pick of them, or or um, or one of them is available to you. So um, look, we're gonna it's interesting. We're gonna talk about all that over the course of the next month. So um, thanks again to Eric for joining us for sure. Yeah, for sure. And you can always reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We are also going to be talking to Dick Cass, team president, uh, and talking with him a lot about the COVID-19 and how that's impacting the Ravens as well. So make sure you tune in for that tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back.